Yes, hello, it's Jason Louv. Welcome back to the Ultra Culture Podcast. Our guest today is Dot Darling, who is kind of blowing up on Instagram. She's a very young influencer in the occult and magic and has accumulated quite a sizable following with her Instagram. She's also working on her new books, which we talk about in this episode. Definitely really interesting for me now 40 to get the insight of somebody who's who's half my age on on the future of magic and how young people are seeing it very odd because you know some of you who have been following me for a while remember generation hex the book that i put out in 2006 when i was basically on the other side of that so yeah time moves really fast doesn't it but i'm very happy that this whole thing is continuing cross generationally so, super interesting conversation. We had a lot to talk about, and you're really going to enjoy it. P.S. Tickets are still available for Introduction to Magic, our all-time intensive, immersive, all-day transformative event that's happening online April 23rd. You definitely want to get your tickets for that before the date rolls around, and there are some features that are extremely limited. For instance, we are doing some of the class in virtual reality, but if you want that level of ticket, there's only 50 available because that's the amount the software can handle. So we're really excited about it. We have pulled out all the stops for this course. You can see it at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. It is Introduction to Magic. It is now the top course in the list on the page. And check it out. We've also been selling those NFTs that we mentioned in the last podcast. Really kind of an interesting experiment how that ended up. We ended up, we, what did we do? We took Solomonic seals from the Key of Solomon, which is a Renaissance grimoire, and fed them into an art generating AI. And on top of that, instructed the AI to use the Solomonic seals as seed images to create wealth generating or creativity sparking or talismans or whatever intention we were putting into it. We told the AI to, to put that intention into it. So the intention, first we picked the correct seals from the book for what we wanted. Most of them are for, I believe half are for career success, the other half are for creative success. And there's one in there that actually already sold for financial freedom. But we picked the specific talismans that have that, you know, whatever, that that magical kind of charge behind them already, and then instructed the AI with a matching intention. And the results were pretty interesting, I have to say. You can you can see for yourself. Those are linked from the introduction to magic squeeze page. And the they're basically priced at the same price that the course is at. So they double as tickets for the course. I think they might actually now be a little bit lower than the prices for the course in dollars because Ethereum has gone down. So yeah, kind of a deal there while it lasts. You might want to grab before Ethereum goes up again. Yeah, so you basically get a ticket to the course and you get a super awesome AI NFT on top of it. Because what what are we doing here if not completely warping the future out of all recognizable configuration? Because somebody's got to weird up the future, and it's definitely not Jeff Bezos. So I'm happy to do it. All right. Enjoy the show. I will see you in Introduction to Magic April 23rd. 
it's going to be awesome. And without further ado, here is Dot Darling. Hello, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm doing quite good this morning or afternoon. Very yes. good. So, do you, by the way, do you like to be addressed as Dot Darling or Georgina? You can just say Georgina. If you want to say Dot Darling, you can, but okay. I, I prefer Georgina generally. Okay. Okay, great. So, you your Instagram has blown up over the last couple of years, I think. Just like all of a sudden, like everyone I know has been mentioning you. So, I checked out your Instagram. It was super cool. You're definitely bringing in a very young generation into magic which is weird to say because I used to do that like 20 years ago but <laughs> but you're definitely you're definitely doing that you have a lot of people watching your social media and following you so how did you get into this it's it's as I, as I know kind of a strange thing to do with your life so how did you get into this position yeah, so I've been a practitioner for a number of years and I started the social media stuff pretty much like during early quarantine. I was bored and I was just kind of like, I decided to make a podcast with two of my friends and then I started making social media and I didn't think anyone would listen to any of it. It was just kind of like a way to kill time originally and then it sort of started to grow and I started doing more and more stuff with it. And I, I don't know, I found it was good to talk about Thelema because not a lot of people in my sort of like, people like me were discussing Thelema, like I'm younger. Um, and so I wanted to sort of give my side of Thelema and discuss what was going on in the community. And it kind of just grew from there. And now it's become this sort of thing that takes up quite a bit of my time. Um, Interesting. So did you end up, it, it sounds like you did, did you not really know many people in your friend group, but then it kind of snowballed and you got people from all over the world following you? Yeah. Well, the two people I started my podcast with who are not the people I do it with now, um, were just two friends that I had that I didn't, I didn't like meet them through social media. They were just people I knew. And then I started, you know, talking to other people through social media, because like when you have the DMs, like I really enjoyed talking with people and hearing different perspectives. And I've learned a lot from just talking to other people in the community, especially those who have slightly different, you know, practices and paths than mine. I found that that has really sort of opened my eyes about a lot of things and been really helpful. But yeah, it sort of just grew from there. And I've made a lot of good friends and connections throughout this almost two year journey at this point. Wow. Okay. So what, how did you end up getting into magic in the first place? Yeah. So I got into magic. My family was like Christian, but not very strict about it. And I was actually getting into self-help. Um, I wanted to do like self-improvement stuff. Um, and I started really thinking about spirituality. I'd always kind of thought about religion and I always had questions about like the stuff that I grew up around. And I always had my sort of, I guess, critiques of it. Um, and I was exposed to like the witchy stuff, but it wasn't really for me. Like I didn't, I was like, nah, this is not exactly what I want to do, but it's interesting. And then I found The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish, which is like, uh, it's very 70s. I'll just say that. But it was like the one occult book I found in the local Barnes and Noble. Uh, and I remember reading it and being like, yes, this is this is it. And then I started diving deeper and deeper. And I came across Crowley. And I remember the first time I read Crowley, I read the Book of the Law, and I had no clue what was happening. And I was like, okay, don't know what's going on. And then I put it down. And then like a few months later, I was like, you know what? I'll read something else. And I was like, oh, this, I, I looked at um, magic and theory and practice. And I was like, wait, I actually really like this and sort of get, get it. And then I've started practicing. I'm a very thelemic person. Um, a lot of what I do is thelema. And yeah, that's sort of how I've come to where I am now. 
Cool. Yeah, I remember finding that book. For, that was, I think, one of the first books I saw, The Black Arts. But it's it's like it's great marketing in a way. It draws people it draw, draws people in because it's so sinister looking. But yeah, it's very seventies. A lot of this stuff is very seventies. Some of the, the the older stuff. So, the, well, you bring up an interesting thing that I wanted to ask, and this seems like such a basic question, but it's some one that you actually never hear people discussing, which is how do you feel that magic is actually different from self help? And other than aesthetics, is it really? I think there's an overlap, um, but I don't think they're the same. I think self-help, there, there is obviously an element of magic that is self-help in my opinion, right? Because magic, it helps you discover, you know, your true will, your path. And it does do like material improvement in your life, depending on what you're doing your magic for and what your practice actually looks like. But I think magic goes a little bit further because I think once you get out of the like improving your life and finding what you sort of want to do arena the whole like getting especially you start getting into mysticism and like getting close to god gods the divine whatever it is that you're sort of drawn to i think it kind of leaves the self-help territory but i think a lot of the practical magic stuff and the sort of beginner stuff that people are exposed to are pretty it's pretty overlapping so i think it just kind of is like it can go further depending on what you're exactly doing but there is an overlap and i, I would definitely say there is got it yeah i some i sometimes i've i feel that it's one of those Zen things sometimes where it's like, first there is a mountain, first there is no mountain, or excuse me, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is a mountain. Or it's like when you first start out, it's kind of just pot, like straightforward, common sense, self-help yeah. positive. And then it goes into crazy land for a while. And then it kind of, and then it's just like, uh, like I'm possessed by Mercury today and like that type of thing. And then, and then, and then after all, and then it just gets, it, it can get pretty, pretty cosmic and out there. But then after a while, it just becomes like just totally common sense, practical self-help again. <laughs> I've found in my life. Oh, absolutely. I completely, I completely relate to that because when I first got into it, you know, I was exposed to like, what, like meditation and little sigils. I remember I liked sigils or whatever. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. And then I started reading Crowley and I was like, so what is this raw horquee? What's a holy guardian angel? What, what is happening? Um, and then I sort of come out the other side and like, you know, daily rituals, they help me have more structure in my life and more discipline. And these spirits are helping me grow as a person. And so I literally is that exact trajectory. Got it. Yeah. So it sounds like it, it, so you would say magic has definitely been positive influence on your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had my like missteps and my not the best moments with it. Well, um, tell, tell, tell us more. What have your what have those been? Oh, like? Uh, they're quite a few. I've, I've tried to just like do so when I was new, I was like a little over enthusiastic and I sort of tried to do things that I probably wasn't quite ready for. Uh, and then I was like, wait, I'm into a little too deep. Um, but I've sort of mostly, it's mostly helped me. Like I've really seen a lot of improvement in my life. Um, I've, I've, once again, I've had my little slip ups, but in general, it's been a good, a good thing for me. That's why I've stuck with it. I feel like if it was making my life worse, I probably would have just dropped it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the slip-ups are important too. And because but that's true of learning anything because you learn what not to do. And that's part of the learning process. I think for anything, not just magic. So, I don't Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I think it's good to kind of scrape your knees sometimes and Oh yeah. learn no, the I've, hard way. I've I've broken my knees at times and lost <laughs> my lower legs and things. <laughs> but but <laughs> it's all a learning experience. For sure. So cool. So it sounds like you're super, you're super into Crowley right now and Dilemma. So that, yes. that, what, what is it about that that drew you in more than the other stuff? 
Yeah. So at first my interest in Corley began with just like who he was, you know, I'd seen him in like the cult, he's kind of a cultural mythos in a lot of ways. And he's very shocking and out there. And I was, I had that little edgelord streak in me and was like, I want to read the most shocking thing I can find, you know? Um, and so I looked into him and what I really started liking is that the magic is done for a reason in Thelema. Cause I like that it's when you when you get into Thelema, magic is done to sort of like find your true will and accomplish that and accomplish the great work, which gives like a like a path and a trajectory. Because I found when I was reading a lot of stuff at the beginning, I was like, cool. So I'm doing like, say, a money spell or I'm doing an LBRP. But like, what is it really for? What is it building to? And I kind of like that Thelema sort of has an answer to that question, because otherwise it kind of felt a little directionless. And I was in that kind of like dabbler soup where I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know what I want. I mean, as well, I like the sort of ceremony of Thelemic rituals. I like that it syncretizes a lot of things together. Um, because I think there's a lot of value in a lot of different systems. And so I like that the Lima kind of pushes things into a syncretic thing. So all that together made me really appeal to it. Um, now I actually am not a big of a fan of the sort of shocking Crowley stuff because every time I talk about the Lima, I feel like I need to give like 50 disclaimers, <laughs> but yes. I mean, he was a, he was a character. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was. I feel that I am still... I've spent 20 years trying to un understand Crowley and he's different every time I go back to him. You know, I just did a podcast a few few episodes back with Tobias Churton and, and he was, oh, yeah. he was he's written like six biographies of Crowley and he was telling me a bunch of stuff that I had I didn't know before. For instance, or and I found out a bunch of new stuff reading his books, for instance, that Liber Oz was written as World War II propaganda against Nazi Germany, which I had no idea about. I thought it was just like a general kind of libertarian pamphlet. So so yeah, I, he just seems different to me every time I look at him. And it, it, I almost feel like every time I read his books, they're different in, in a strange way. I don't know if that makes oh, sense, same. but yeah, it's really odd. Yeah, Crowley definitely is one of those people that, you know, as you grow and your perspective changes, it's kind of like, it. He, it's almost like he changes to match. It's very strange. But what would you say your definition of true will is if you're kind of in a thelemic paradigm yeah so my sort of take on true will is that true will is it's something that you sort of live in alignment with and it's something that you have to discover so it's a thing that's sort of set it's a thing that exists and you have to through ritual discover what it is and then live in alignment with it sort of like how Taoists say they like live in line with the Tao. i think the true will is very much like that i don't think it's a question that's like answered once and you're like that is my true will check that off i think it's more something that through these rituals through communion with various spirits you discover what it is and how to live in alignment with it. and when you're sort of flowing with it things i've noticed tend to kind of fall into place and work out do you feel that magic or thelema in general is actually necessary for following your true will i think to an extent yes um i think that maybe not specifically Tholima, but i think you need to discover it somehow i think there's sort of different paths up that mountain to get there i don't think there's one singular way to discover your will because as like we all have different wills you know it's not like some rigid single thing for every single person um as you know Tholima, you mentioned a second ago has that kind of libertarian spirit to it in a way but I definitely think you need to find it somehow. I think that maybe deep contemplation could work or doing say like Eastern traditions to get there. I think you could, but I think you have to do something to figure it out. Yeah, it, well, it definitely seems like, you know, one, one thing we talk about here a lot is that if you look at anyone, it seems to me 
you know, often the most occult people and the, or excuse me, I shouldn't even say occult, the most magical people and the most magical, six, magically successful people are definitely not doing, you know, traditional magic at all. But if you read their biographies or you look at their backgrounds, they're all interested in something, some type of meditation or positive thinking or some type of practice that is to all intents and purposes magic that is giving them that edge. And that's one crazy thing that I've realized, you know, obviously doing what I do and I end up teaching people from every walk of life, you know, because it's on the internet now it's a bit anonymous. And so you'd be, um, well, maybe you wouldn't cause you're running an Instagram. It's like, I, you'd be amazed how many people from the least likely places end up taking my classes. But it really is. I, I, I really do feel that there is something to the idea of the new Aeon where it's kind of like, we are in a magical time I mean, everyone if you look at the media or like anything it, everyone wants some type of magic there's always some type of supernatural element whether but whether to everything that everyone is doing it's usually like through technology or computer graphics or something like that but everyone wants to be more than human that's like what every single thing in the media is telling us nobody wants to be you know a, just a basic human anymore and i've actually read you know orthodox and sufi writers who criticize this a lot and say that we're you know there's too much magic in the world we're we're all kind of we've become all luciferian and we need to go back to just being normal human beings so i i really feel a lot of the times that at least crowley's analysis whatever language you want to look at it from of, the, of kind of the new aeon and the laws for all and magic is for all is like that's totally true like everyone, particularly successful people, seem to be tapped into this current, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, utilizing the mind and meditative techniques and self-help techniques and things like that, or magic, straight up ritual magic t techniques to become successful and go to the top of their field. Yet no, none of them are doing anything that would be recognizable as like from, you know, a lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram or something like that. So that's certainly... I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's definitely been interesting for me to realize over the last couple of decades. Yeah, I think there is a lot of quasi-magical stuff that people do that they wouldn't call magic that sort of gets that same sort of result. And I do think Crowley's analysis of the new Aeon is pretty accurate. Um, I think that we are very focused on moving beyond, on the next step, what is beyond the sort of human mundane life i think you can say the new aeon is good or bad like i think you could see crowley's idea of the new aeon this sort of individualistic time where people are trying to get beyond that they've moved beyond a lot of these older spiritual models into something completely new you could argue that's a bad thing um but i think his analysis that it's here is pretty true and pretty clear especially like if you think about when he said that in the early 1900s versus now it's become much more clear and focused and as well, like in the third chapter of the Book of the Law, which is when the one that's really about the current Aeon, the new Aeon, there's that level of sort of this this warlike intensity that I also see in modern culture pretty pronounced. So whether it's good or bad, I think is a different conversation, is a, is a whole conversation person could have. But I think it's clear that we've sort of tapped into something yeah. that does align with what he was seeing. Yeah, I, I think he was right. And I don't think that sometimes I feel that the more I get away from any type of organized or dogmatic thelema or, or, you know, like the system that he left behind, it's like the, the clearer it becomes in the sense of his analysis of the new Aeon itself, I think is correct. And whether it's good or bad, it just is, it's an accurate description of what's happening. I mean, down to social media, every, every man and woman is a star, right? 
and you know you know those those combined forces of leo and aquarius of just absolute warfare destruction un, unbelievable capacity for the human race to destroy itself combined with the aquarian impulse of you know this childlike need for all all spirit for spiritual traditions it really is the horus the child i think and at least according to curly we're going to be stuck with it for a few thousand years so better better learn how to navigate it <laughs> yeah you gotta adapt right isn't that the ultimate test of like human evolution you can just adapt to new circumstances right absolutely yeah adapt or die but that's you know magic and evolution consciousness evolution same thing right absolutely so so you've you've spent it seems like you've spent a lot of time kind of trying to reach a more mainstream audience to discuss magic and this seems to be something that you're very good at in terms of basically being an influencer and getting this material out to a wider audience what has that been like for you and what do you what have you kind of learned during that in that process i'm super interested well thank you for that first of all i'm just going to be flattered but it's been interesting because Thelema is definitely a bit more fringe than what a lot of people are exposed to when it comes to like magical or magically adjacent ideas. Um, I find a lot of people are sort of aware of like the new agey stuff, which I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the new agey stuff. I think it can be good as like a gateway drug to occultism, uh, if I could put it like that. But yeah, it's been interesting. I find that people are more receptive to the ideas than you would think. I found that phrasing things in specific ways makes people a little bit more open to it. Um, what have you found there? Been, what have you found there? I'm interested. Yeah, I find if you drop like certain words that sound really extreme and phrase things in like a more general way, people tend to understand it a bit quicker. Like if you drop a bit of the jargon when you're talking to non-occultists, they tend to be pretty receptive, and people surprisingly agree with quite a bit. Um, but there is, of course, the con with kind of talking to more mainstream people about Thelema is that you it, it does. The, the con of it is that sometimes you kind of have to water things down, which I don't like doing. Um, and I don't want to do that, but sometimes people like will, or they'll, they'll sort of take it in a way and run with it in a way that's really no longer a theme at that point. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting talking to non thelemites about Thelema. There's also of course the whole getting beyond the, the elephant in the room that is Crowley um, and people making assumptions of what individual thalamites are like based on the actions of Crowley. I find that happens a lot. Um, I've had people assume I'm like some very out there hedonist, which is, I'm very squarish. So it, that's always a bit fun to navigate, but people are surprisingly open-minded about it. I think also the whole pandemic thing has made people more interested in spirituality mm. in general. Because when people were stuck inside, they had to think about these really heavy topics a lot more and a lot more people sort of gravitated towards the occult and thinking about these questions like you saw it gaining more traction on social media during that period. And it slowed down a bit as things have reopened and hopefully gone back to normal, hopefully. Um, so I'm curious where it'll go over the next couple months, but I think now sort of a renaissance just based on that whole thing. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's funny because I predicted for I've I've had a prediction about ten years ago that what was that's kind of come true but in a totally different way, which is that what I expected to happen about ten years ago was that everyone was going to start losing their job to automation and AI, and that the government yeah. was going to start rolling out some type of universal basic income, and in which would give people the leeway to kind of 
not have to work potentially, in which case there'd be a lot of spare time and people would get real invested in potentially spirituality. It might create lead to a new renaissance. That hasn't exactly happened, but then we got COVID, which is way more extreme. But I've been try- I've been just trying to stay alive in my own life during COVID. So I'm yeah. really curious about your analysis here. So what, when people got interested during the pandemic, during lockdown, it makes sense that they would become interested in meditation, spirituality, things like that. But why magic per se? And what do you think people want were wa- wanting out of it? Getting into yes. It all of a so I saw like I went on Google Trends with my co-host Temperance Alden at one point. And we like put in a bunch of occult keywords and like tracked where they peaked and fell. And there was a huge boom across the board right at the beginning of COVID. And a couple months wow. in, they were going way up on Google Trends. Wow, I had no especially idea. Especially like witchcraft related terms. Um, and what I guess from this, my theories is. I think people, obviously the chaos made people go internal and people historically, when there's like a lot of stress tend to get more religious, just generally, that seems to be a common theme. Um, And we started, I started thinking that maybe the more pagan stuff was appealing because people were so stuck inside and on technology that they like had like a reactionary, like I wanna go back to my natural roots kind of thing. I think the pagan stuff, it's like people were so kept in technology they wanted to like connect to that natural history and like the land stuff. Cause all these witch people are talking about like land spirits and ancestors and stuff. So for me, I was like, maybe people are so inundated in technology that they kind of want to run the other direction. Um, I think that's part of it. I think the magic stuff is just people, when they were stuck inside, they had to really reflect on what was going on in their life. And I think a lot of people realized that they weren't fully happy. Like I remember seeing a lot of people getting into like baking bread and all these sort of like things that they wouldn't have had time for. And I think that people were just thinking about what am I missing in life? And so they wanted to bring more stuff in. Those were sort of my various Hmm. guesses on why it sort of went up in the way that it did at the time. That makes sense. I mean, people are also much more domestic now obviously so they have the ability to maybe to do to do that type of stuff but i'm curious did you that's super interesting did you look up numbers on other religions for instance did you you know was there a peak in searches for buddhism or christianity or not that necessarily not magic is not a religion but you kind of you see what i mean like people may i'm wondering if maybe it was a a rising tide floats all boats type situation where all all spiritual things may have gotten a boost in in searches i looked at a few other ones not at the same level that i looked at the occult stuff it seems like it was a general rise um but it did seem like there was a disproportionate rise for these kind of more alternative spiritualities like their 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 growth was just kind of disproportionate compared to the other ones but it seems that people generally became a bit more religious during it all and since it sort of opened up i've noticed that the searches have gone down a little bit which i kind of predicted as life goes back to normal but they are still higher than they were before Hmm. um so that's really interesting obviously you know interest has gone up in in the courses so that is really interesting i wonder what effect that will have going forward because i've definitely noticed that even in the last year i mean i've been talking about this stuff for 25 years now and when i first started i knew like four people in the world who were into it and it was really socially unacceptable like really like the only people that were into it were like real sketch people and like furries <laughs> you know <laughs> or, or not quite like elf quest fans it's just like like it was yeah it was super sketch but now 
it's everywhere. And that's something that I've been trying to, you know, I've basically been trying to encourage for 25 years and repackage it in a way that is appealing. But it definitely feels to me like in the last year, we've suddenly turned a corner where it, I don't, like, I don't feel embarrassed to talk about it anymore. And that's yeah. like never been the case. So something must have shifted. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been inside for two years. But, but so I don't know. I don't like. I don't know. Feel you know any social pressure anymore. Maybe that's it. But it seems like something's shifted. It seems it's been easier for me in the past year too, right? Because like I'm younger. I'm in my my early early twenties. Um. So I got into it um, while I was a teenager. And at first, when I was into it, like it wasn't as unacceptable as I think it was 20 years ago by any means. I think I came in at a pretty good time, um, but I felt weird. For me, I kind of just felt like a weirdo when I first got into it. Like I remember telling some of my friends and being just generally kind of like, please don't think I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> please don't think I'm crazy. But the past year I pretty touched, talked about it like shamelessly. Like it's, it's become more, people are way more okay with it. I've noticed within the past year. Um, and I honestly, like, this is a weird thing to credit, but I think maybe the, like, the witch talk thing or, like, the it getting really trendy may have helped with that because I've always had it pretty easy because it was not, like, I, I knew a few people who are vaguely interested in it when I started, but it's definitely become bigger and I think more okay and less weird. So I think it's definitely turned that corner for sure. I agree. And I would absolutely credit you know, not just certainly witch talk or previously it was witches of Instagram, but I would absolutely credit the women's witchcraft movement for that, for a big part of it, for sure, for sure. It, that has shifted a lot. And yeah, very interesting. I think part of it also, particularly now is kind of like, well, like what else you got? You know what I mean? It's like, what, what have you got that's working so great? Because the world is just falling apart and every single system is just or scaffolding that was put up that was supposed to be quote unquote consensus reality, which actually did seem like a thing, certainly in the 80s, less so in the 90s. But then after the 2000s, just like forget it, it doesn't exist anymore. And now it's like, well, literally nothing that quote unquote mainstream culture is doing is working. It's just oh, like held together absolutely. by just pretending it's working, basically. It's just like completely crumbling. So it's kind of like, you know, I was I was talking to my editor, John Graham, the, the other day, who is just saying it's like, you know, sometimes ma magic seems like the most sane, rational, and stable thing all of a sudden. Oh, completely. It's, it is a chaotic time. No matter what you sort of believe, it's just everything seems like it's up in the air, like everything's all over the place no one knows where things are going to be like normal or oriented at all anymore and you know at least with magic no matter what happens you can still do it you can still have your practice you can mm -hmm. still you know work with the spirits you work with it, it's a consistent thing that's going to be there because it doesn't necessarily depend on all these other variables in life that are just all over the place right now yeah that's very comforting and i think that's a hundred percent true it never changes it's always there it never leaves you. And every time that I've been, you know, magic for me is the only, you know, I just turned 40. Magic to me is the only running thread essentially throughout my entire life. And it has never let me down. It's always there. And whenever I've really, you know, people are like, oh, like magic is gonna mess up your life. I would say au, au contraire. Like every time I've really been in a pinch, magic has been there to get me out of it even if I wasn't, even if I didn't think I was consciously doing it. 
So there is, I think, such a thing as the magical current. And for me, that's very comforting. And it should be comforting for people who are into it. And I can just definitely say that from my experience. It's like, that's 100% true. I'm curious. So this is this is definitely new info for me. So from what you're seeing, where do you think this is going to go? You said that the search trends were kind of coming down a little bit, but do you have a sense of where magic is going to go in the future? Yeah. So my sort of theory is that it's going to like, it's kind of past it's like peak peak, but it's going to still be more popular than it once was. I think it's going to continue to mainstream. I've noticed over the past couple months, like certain newspapers know the Washington post has run multiple like tarot stories and stuff like that. I think it's going to become a lot more normalized and sort of integrate into not mainstream culture, but like mainstream counterculture, if that makes sense. Like it's going to be see a thing that's present and not seen as completely bizarre. I think it's going to be normalized in the same way that like astrology and like crystals are kind of normalized now. Like they're seen as a bit quirky and weird, but they're not like completely out there. Like if I would have talked about say Goetia five years ago, you know, I would have gotten I mean, Goetia is still a bit edgy. I'll say that's still <laughs> I think Goetia will always be edgy. But they're putting yeah, it, they're putting it in the, movies maybe, maybe now. Maybe that's not the best example. I mean, they put it in that movie Heredity, uh, Hereditary. I, I personally hated that movie. But that was a big movie. You know, it's like these things are definitely out there in the, you know, the in, in the mainstream for better or worse. Maybe it's for worse. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't have let the yeah. genie out of the bottle, but it's out. Well, yeah, that's my thought about it. Like, there definitely are sort of cons to the occult mainstreaming and getting more popular. Like, you know, it gets watered down, it gets diluted. You get people who come into it and don't know what, and are like idiots about it and all of that. And then, of course, you get people kind of, you know, consumerifying it. But like, you can't undo what's already been done. I think it's kind of like a waste of time to be like, well, I wish the occult was never popular. We should go back to the hermetic order of the golden. Like, it's not going to happen. So it just seems like, a, I mean, I don't really, really want that to happen, but it's just a waste of time. I think we have to just adapt to what's happening now and, you know, make the community as best as it can be, like, in the current state. I think in general, it's probably, it's much better to be an occultist now. Um, personally, I'd rather be an occultist now than, like, during the satanic panic or something. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I can testify <laughs> like, to that. Like, I yeah. think our problems are a lot less severe now yes um, yes like people being cringy about it is not really it's annoying but it's not that big of a deal well in the end, it's so. interesting you bring that up it's like you know i i lived through the satanic panic and yeah. my and at the time like being into this stuff could literally get you killed in some parts of the country it still can in in certainly in many parts of the world but let alone the u.s but you know, my thinking in pushing so hard to mainstream magic in the early 2000s was that it provides cover, quite frankly, because I knew yeah. I knew very clearly, obviously, I knew everyone knew ahead of time it was going to get cringy. And I knew that well, full, very full well going into it. But my and and I took a lot of heat. And prior to me, Genesis Pures took a ton of heat, a ton of heat for working to mainstream it and you know but I took a ton of heat not never from by the way never from the mainstream not even from Christians but from other occultists who were like no it's my precious you can't you know you can't you can't you can't give away my secrets uh, oh I relate to that one very intensely because other thelemites have interesting opinions on me I'll just say that um I get yeah, the well. most heat from 
other Thelemites or other occultists who don't like Thelema for whatever reason, some of those reasons more legitimate than others, some I think are ridiculous, but other Thelemites have a lot of thoughts on me uh, because they get mad that I'm like making Thelema more popular or talking about Thelema without the pretension and you know it's it's a lot of like infighting i get called like the e-girl a lot which yeah well something some things never change you can always rely on on thelemites and occult people to be like that they've been like that since the dawn of the dawn of forever yeah yeah yeah, it's 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 interesting but to be honest like i like that when i talk to non-occultists um i can like use reference points like yeah, there's like, I'm like kind of like an astrology girl, but a little bit more serious <laughs> or yeah, I'm kind of into tarot. It's a little more than that, but sure. Like it's, it's easier for dealing with people. And if other Thelemites think I'm like annoying or cringy or whatever, like so be it. Thelemites can't agree on anything. So I think like no matter what I'm doing, right, yeah. uh, Thelemites would be coming at just, each I other. Mean, we see, we're very good at it. We're yeah, very good at it. At the end of the day, it's just like, well, you know, then then do your do your will, bro. Like don't pay attention to me then if I'm if I annoy you. It's like I get all this heat. It's like, oh he's he's doing this, that, or the other. It's like, well, then you know, th- there's a billion things on the internet you can look at. Just, you know, whatever. So don't follow me. Like, end of story. But yeah, yeah I definitely I think it's very good, and I'm glad that the spell worked in a sense. Like I'm, I, I think it's very good that it's become so mainstream because when everyone's into it, even if they're kind of cringy and shallow, the people who are really serious are no lo- no longer stick out, and it's it provides cover. We're much safer. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Also, like, what's with this notion that cringy people or people who didn't take it seriously or did it poorly, like, didn't exist before? Right. I, I don't think that's true. I think there have definitely been like idiots throughout it's, the It's always community. been cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's like a new thing. I think that it's just there's more numbers, so it's more visible. But I, I don't think this is some new thing. Like, oh, if we didn't put the occult on the internet, like nobody would be dumb about it. Like, I just think that's kind of a ridiculous take. Yeah, it's also just like kind of like, who are you to gatekeep? Like, you didn't make this stuff up. And, and I don't mean you, obviously, I just mean people who get yeah. gatekeepy about it. And let's say some, you know, maybe somebody seems shallow now. Well, where are they going to be in 10 years? You know, it's like, it's like none of your business. It's like, it's not up to you. And like, really, it's, you know, as one of my friends puts it, there's too much gate, you know, gatekeep girl boss gaslight going on. And <laughs> it always has been in the, in the occult. It's like, you know, nobody owns it. Nobody gets to say that other people can't be into it. It's like, and, and in that sense, the you know the whole idea of the new aeon is that's what it is it even says in there and it says in the book of babylon you know it says that this is the rituals of the old time are black this is for everyone now it's out of the bag like forget all of this masonic stuff like just forget it it's it's no longer relevant and i don't think it is relevant it's you know the internet is the manifestation of the waves of aquarius for this for this aeon so far so yeah you can't put back in the bag what already happened i mean it was someone whoever made the computer kind of set us on this track so it's it's just the reality of the situation and gatekeeping like the only argument that for gay that i'll sometimes be like maybe i get it is like to protect people or whatever prevent people from doing rituals not ready for but like people will do them anyways like even if you tell them not to do it like if someone's gonna be dumb they're gonna be dumb like i'm not trying to be like harsh but i just feel like if someone really wants to do something they're not ready for like well, you're not going to stop them by saying not to do it just give your caution and say hey maybe you should know how to do an lbrp before you like do a nokian but like 
we can't stop people. It's it's just you have to give your warnings and give your advice. But gatekeeping doesn't really work, in my opinion, anyway. It's like even if you try, if someone's super ambitious, you can try to gatekeep as much as you want. They're gonna figure out how to do it anyways. So you may as well tell them how to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, with that said, I'm curious. So what kind of drew you into this pursuit of making educational content for YouTube and Instagram and trying to put out information into the public? Like, how did you get started on that? And what what called you to that? Yeah, so I started moving beyond my like little podcast and making educational stuff because there isn't a lot of Thelemic content online. Like I just noticed a lot, if you look up like Thelema, um, a lot of the stuff's pretty old or it doesn't get updated frequently or it's like blogs and blog reading is a lot less popular now. Um, or maybe my fellow Zoomers are lazy, I don't know. Um, and so I was like, why don't I make some more? Because there is like Thelema stuff there, but there's not a lot of it. It's not getting updated. Um, a lot of the websites are like probably like running off software from 1992, <laughs> which is fine. There's a lot of great information on those. But you yeah, know we're what working I'm on that. About. Yeah, yeah. No, or it's like sure. the YouTube videos that are like a video <laughs> of someone doing a PowerPoint in like the back of a lecture hall. Like those videos are typically the best, like some of the best information, but like people don't watch them because they're not visually drawing. Like people are shallow in that way. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make content that I would want to watch. That was kind of my thought. Um, and so I just kind of, I put up a camera and film against this wall and I did my, like, I tried to make things very beginner oriented because a lot of the stuff is there's like occult content tends to go one or two ways, right? It's either like super beginner witchcraft stuff, or it's like using like AA jargon everywhere. And it's no, no one, no one can decipher it without some, and I wanted to like bridge the two. Um, so I try to make like beginner stuff, but I try to go a little bit deeper sometimes and do it in a way that's presentable because I can't talk in that pretentious way. I just, I can't take myself seriously doing it. Like, I, it, I just, I can't take it seriously whenever I do it. So I can watch it, but I can't do it myself. Um, and so I just started to try to make what I wanted to see. And I made like some videos. I still make videos and stuff. And I try to update regularly. And whenever I see like new people talking about Thelema, I try to take them on my channel or my podcast. So people know that they exist um, and all that stuff. Cause you know, it's where we don't, there's not a lot of stuff about us that pop up. I've noticed we've, which is weird because if you look at like local groups, wherever you live, typically the OTO is one of the few groups that comes up, right? Like when people try to find a cult communities, the Lima stuff comes up pretty easily, but there's not a lot of educational stuff about it, which I found a bit bizarre. Um, so I was like, you know what, I'll just make a video, maybe good, maybe bad, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think well, there's there's always been Lon, Lon Milo Ludicat and then at one oh, yeah. and there were Rodney Orpheus's books as well. I don't, I don't think he's still doing them, but yeah, it's definitely it's always been an underground thing for sure. So do you find that the you find that the the kind of the more beginner fr the beginner friendly videos do do really well? They tend to yeah, well because people there's always new beginners, right? People need a way in. Um, I feel like people need, in a sense, something to jump off of because going from like, hi, Wicca is like, what is Wicca 101 type stuff to, you know, reading, Duquette is great. I love Duquette's work. He's very, I'm really inspired by him, by the way. He's one of my favorites. Um, to reading like, say, straight up Crowley, right? There's a big gap. Um, and so I've tried to make beginner content that goes a little deeper. So it's like beginner, but it's not beginner beginner if that makes sense like it's like level two is what i've tried to sort of orient towards um 
because people need a jumping off point. Um, but I, I don't want to feed everything to people. And I try to always in everything I do, like point, like you're supposed to go deeper than this. Please don't blindly listen to me. I am one person. People will disagree with me. And so I always try to like give resources and stuff to go to the next step. Cause I find people don't really know how to get from here to here. Um, so I've tried to be the bridge. So how do you, how do you bridge those? Like, how do you guide people across the abyss? <laughs> I try to just talk about like slightly, I try to use like friendly ways of speaking, um, make my content approachable, but talk about slightly deeper concepts, right? Like I'll talk about the tree of life, right? Which is something that I think is good to know, or I'll talk about, um, you know, egregores or Jack Parsons or the, like the golden dawn. I've talked about the Abramelin stuff like that. That is sort of like stuff you approach a little bit later, but I've tried to make it, you know, so that people know how to actually read the stuff. People have that language and people have a sort of intro into that. Um, and I, I've been recently going a little bit deeper on my podcast because that I have more time. And so I've been able to get into like a little bit heavier topics, which I've enjoyed. Cause I don't want to only make like one-on-one stuff forever because eventually, you know, people, they want to move on to the next thing. Um, and so I've tried to just make it a, like get a little bit deeper, but still be something that you could click on and not be lost if you don't know a lot. Hmm. Do you find yourself kind of addressing misconceptions a lot? Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like I have to hit those because there's a lot of them. Uh, and if I don't, people get, I don't know. I feel like when you talk about, especially Thelema, there's a lot of misconceptions you have to like immediately clear because people otherwise kind of have this like this media formed conception of what Thelema is, right? Um, people have this idea that Crowley was this like evil Satanist who, I don't know, was shooting up heroin while killing children, right? Um, and I feel like that's something that I, that I have to kind of address before people feel comfortable like knowing about him. I know recently there's been a lot of people claiming that Crowley was like prop quote unquote problematic, which that world kind of makes me want to rip my eyes out. But, <laughs> yes. you know, people have been trying to like cancel Crowley, which guy's dead. Um, and so I feel like I have to address this stuff because every time I don't, like I'll like make a little cute video being like, this is a great book about Thelema I read recently. People in the comments will be like, did you know Crowley was literally evil, killed nine, nine pe million people and was the worst man alive. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, I feel like I just have to, because otherwise it always comes in. Like every time I was a Crowley, I get a few helmets that are like, did you know Crowley bad? And I'm like, wow, you know, that's never occurred to me. I sometimes want to them, you know, no one's ever said that to me. Never. I had no idea. <laughs> right, right, right. It's amazing that this guy's been dead for 75 years now. And yet people still have in in intense opinions <laughs> about him, you know, so he must've done something right. Oh yeah. Dude. People recently, the tick, this just sounds so dumb. I, I, but I need to share it cause it just, it hurt my mm -hmm. brain. So a bunch of the TikTokers have tried to cancel Crowley uh, <laughs> over the past few weeks. They've been making videos like Crowley was so bad. And I'm like, I'm like dude's dead. Yeah. Well, you're not going to get it like an apology video from the guy. He's dead. Like, what do you want? What are you trying to accomplish from this? Right. Yeah. I, I, from what I understand, there's, there's some type of movement to like de Crowley Thalema. And it's kind of like, well, how, how do you like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, go, go figure. But, you know, yeah. I, th I think that, look, Crowley was a human being and there were lots of really damaged parts of him, obviously. And, and I think that he was honest about it, which is rare. 
which is what yeah. I, I appreciate that about him because there's so many people who want to appear perfect. And that's when you really have to worry about someone when they're trying to appear, in my opinion, when they're trying to appear like this some perfect saintly individual, then you know something real twisted is going on. But yeah, or just they're completely out of touch with reality. And, you know, I, I particularly as I've, you know, sat with Crowley for what, yeah, 25 years now, it's just, I definitely come to a more nuanced feelings about him just having you know, just being a human being with ups and downs and not really a cartoon character. I mean, he had a lot of missteps and he messed up a lot in his life, but oh, yeah. that's life, you I, know? I don't think he, I've never, never thought everything he did was great. Like, I think that he was a brilliant mind and I think he had a lot of great ideas and start, and you know, he was very insightful and I would say a great occultist, but are there some things that, especially like in his personal life that I have gripes with? Yes, yes. Um, I don't think he was like, some he i don't think he was like jesus christ or something um and he's he, he is he was a human being and i think another thing when we consider crowley is the fact that we have so much records about his life right we have his journals we have his life like we have so much information on him oh. with a lot of these older figures that we don't know as much about like we just we don't have that much information on them i feel like if you took anyone's life and published that much about them and had <laughs> all their private journals it was like like of course they would be problematic of course that, they would a, have bad things they've done like yeah. it's just the fact that we know so much about him i think is a big variable in this conversation that's a really good point i've never thought about that actually it's just kind of like he he wrote so obsessively that just yeah no i i hadn't considered it before but i think you're right about that it's just there's a whole lot more to nitpick but you know for me it's like you know there's things about crowley that are very uncomfortable and you kind of look at them but it's also like well he's you know again he's he's been dead for 75 years so the question is not Crowley the question is is you it's like does that you know if that what is that what you know what can reading that stuff or interacting with that stuff tell you about yourself and it's if you if you reject something it's like well great now you know that you don't want that for your life you know what I mean and that's a helpful experience so, for instance, heroin addiction. I mean, I, I think that he was just completely honest about, in, in so, to some extent, I mean, there's a lot of delusional stuff in his writing, like thinking that you can overcome heroin addiction just by force of will and things like this. But, you know, you can, just like from reading William S. Burroughs or somebody like that, like you can get a sense of, yeah, this is really not what you want to do with your life. Like this, this yeah. So, I mean, it's like I, I've always felt that if you consider him as a writer rather than some rather than a religious figure if you consider him as a writer and commentator he's pretty damn good oh yeah well there's a lot of lessons that can be learned by his like missteps in life right like maybe don't get addicted to heroin right maybe don't go so far into thinking that you know like would we like with the quote do what thou wilt when we say will and philema i say it as we're talking about true will not momentary want. And I think if you look at Crowley's life, you can actually see examples of this, right? Like you can see the heroin stuff. That was something he momentarily wanted, but it ended up actually blocking his true will in a lot of ways. And so that in and of itself can be sort of a parable to learn from. And I think when you look at it like that, it gets, it makes more sense and is a lot more clear. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was, he, I, there are quite a few things that he's said and done that I, I'm not a fan of. But. Well, maybe we should just say there's a lot of teachable moments with Crowley. Teachable <laughs> moments. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it because a lot can be learned from his successes and his missteps. Yeah. Um, if you look deep into his life, there's a lot of insight there. Um, and once again, Philema is a very 
individual gnosis oriented path anyways it's not like it's not the alistair crowley larp society that's not what thelema is you would hope you would hope i mean the the reincarnations of crowley on the internet may disagree um i get a lot of interest i'll just say i get a lot of emails from people who think they're the reincarnation of crowley to my business email um just just wanted to let you know yeah yeah i get these like long essays about how they know they're the true crowley and it's very bizarre but that was, that was, not yeah. supposed to be that. that well that's that's always been the case i mean that was the case in the 60s people were obsessed with that idea there and and it's like just one of these inescapable things funnily enough do you know chogyam trungpa yes yes i do they're cutting through spiritual materialism yeah. so trungpa before he died said that was said that when he was when he died he was going to you know he had taken the bodhisattva vow and all this he said you know he was going to reincarnate as 10,000 Japanese businessmen so maybe Crowley reincarnated as 10,000 schizos on the internet you just never know (laughs) and look Crowley Crowley. if anyone's gonna reincarnate as like internet schizo posters it would be Crowley (laughs) I will reincarnate as 10,000 schizo posters it could it could happen yeah yeah so there you go so are there are there other big do you find there are like big misconceptions besides just Crowley himself that you are kind of addressing a lot yeah so the Crowley thing's of course the biggest one um I think another one is just like what Thelema is I find a lot of Thelemites like to argue even like is Thelema a religion which I think it undoubtedly is and so like there's questions like that um is true will like doing whatever I want um, cause a lot of people take the do with that will quote to mean like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And that's something that to work against. There's also been a lot of people saying that Thelema is like X or Y political ideology, which I don't like that take because Crowley's politics were very just all over the place. And it's not a political ideology, just has some political implications you can see here and there, but it's, so that's one that I've been working against. That's a newer one. Um, people will be like being a felon, it means you believe X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, well, not really. You can see vague anti-authoritarianism, but like, I don't think that that that's a whole thing. And then there's like, is the Thelema, the Thelema satanic thing? Are you like a Satanist stuff? I mean, that's any occult person I think has to deal with that one. Yeah. 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 Um, and also like, can I be a Thelemite and not be a ceremonial magician? I find a lot of people who are younger, like in my age range who are interested in Thelema are like, can I also do folk magic and be a Thelemite? Can I also do sigils and be a Thelemite? And I'm like, yes, 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 you can. The Thelema cops are not going to come and arrest you <laughs> for reading Crowley and not doing a Star Ruby. That, yeah, if if only. So <laughs> You want to bring out the Thelema cops? Well, they do exist. They just don't leave their basements. <laughs> Very true, so, very true. Interesting. Yeah, but it seems like overall people are just are just positive. Like it seems like pretty much like outside of like the, the usual like, you know, is Crowley bad? Is this Satanism? You know, is this bad? You know, which it's not obviously. It seems like those are all positive concerns. Like it's, you know, it's being excited about it, but wanting to know if you're doing it right. Is that Yeah, correct? people are pretty positive. You know, I've had mostly a positive reaction. Like even when I've talked to I talked to the Financial Times at one point. And even they were like really wow. chill with me. What um, happened there? Yeah, so one of the journalists from the Financial Times wanted to do a piece on witch talk and they liked my TikTok. They're like, I like that you go deeper. And I talked with them and even they were like really receptive to Thelema. The Financial so I was like, Times? this is strange. Kind of expected to like 
be a bit interrogated in that interview. Wait, what, the Financial Times? Yeah, what, why, I was surprised why, when why I got the, the details. <laughs> what? That's amazing. They want to do a piece on why is witch talk popular? And so they talked with me about Thelema for a while. And I was like, huh, this is a little, a little bizarre. But yeah, most people have been very positive. I, I've had, I, maybe it's also that I'm not a very intimidating person or something. Like I don't have, I guess, a stereotypically like scary Satanist vibe, but right. yeah, it's mostly positive in general, you know? Yeah, that's great. I definitely have, certainly in the, in the last few years, it's like, I think, I think everyone who lived through the satanic panic era just remembers it not being like that i mean you know you know anton LaVey used to get bullets through his window you know and had to black out the windows and make sure and they they had to like always walk under the windows in their house so things have changed a lot and you know genesis my mentor got practically you know had to go into self-imposed exile from england because of the, all these accusations were put out against her and, and the mob was out to get her and all of this. It's like, yeah, so I think everyone who went through that era or who learned from people who did just have this, are, are just pretty traumatized and just have this like total fear. But I think that that's definitely changed in the last 10 years. Now it's it's gone the other way and that's that's pretty amazing, I think. And I'm always I'm always amazed. I always find myself catching myself now thinking you know if anyone's being you know if anyone's being doubting and weird about it it's me in the sense of when I'm talking to people it's like I'm hesitant to talk to people but whenever whenever I'm actually open with people it's like they're positive and one thing I learned really early on too was if I get if when if people ask me about it if I get real like oh well you know that's secret and I can't tell you and meh, 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 that's like and and I get uh, I get dodgy about it then then yeah. they're immediately suspicious for good reason because they're like okay like what what's going on here but if I'm just open and positive then they're completely receptive so I think it has a lot to do with just how how just being open with people and and not being weird about it that's what I discovered so oh yeah uh, I find if you start getting sneaky about it or like being like well that's pride I find that's when people get weird about it because they're like what are you hiding from me yeah and then you get those kind of aggressive questions um because I was at first really when I started getting to the cult nervous to tell people about it um and I find that people are more receptive if you just kind of like this is what I'm into it's just like any other religion or spirituality kind of try to talk like I'm just any other religious or spiritual person just say what I believe and not say it in like a nervous way or like a kind of suspicious speaking way I find yeah. people are much more receptive um yeah 100 like, percent like this is just what I believe it's my it's my faith I even use phrases like that I'll just steal like mainstream religious phrasing and then just apply it to Thelema and phrase things in that way and people I find are just more comfortable with it. I just tell people I'm a, I'm a meditation teacher so you know. <laughs> yeah exactly no even saying something like that. People which which like is are, true. I'm like oh I'm just into if I don't if I don't want to have a long conversation about it it's like yeah I'm just kind of into western mysticism hmm. and they're like okay. Got it so yeah that's actually an interesting segue so do you you, you talk about meditation a lot so I'm wondering where have you found that the kind of the intersection with magic and meditation and con- you know m- maybe mindfulness and things like this is because because mindfulness has suddenly become a huge it's like a corporate trend basically it's like it's everywhere everyone wants mindfulness and the difference between that and magic maybe is really just a word essentially so in some senses 
So where have you found the overlaps are there? Yeah. So I think like a good magical practice, I like to divide it like this. This is just my personal way of explaining it. It's like, there's three three parts of it, three limbs, but three branches of it. It's like the study contemplation, meditation, and then like the praxis. And I think you need all those three sort of balance to have a good practice. I just noticed this as my own observation. Uh, but I think meditation is really important. Mindfulness, contemplation, taking time to think about things and be in your own space. Because if you can't control your like inner microcosm, how do you expect to control the macrocosm? You know, like that, it doesn't make sense. Like if you're going to do some ritual to control the macrocosm, but you don't have your own internal self, like under control and understood, like it's just, it's not going to work. Right. So I think you need those levels there. And I think meditation is very much like the foundation of any magical practice. Um, I think that you like kind of need it to go to those far places, right? Like if you want to do some really elaborate rituals, that's great, but you need to have the foundations to be able to do that first. I think meditation is really important. I don't think you need to be some like crazy, I meditate for nine hours a day and I'm, I live off rainwater or something like, no, but I think you should have a general like way of sort of centering. I I live off rainwater actually. Oh yeah. You're yeah. full like breatharian. Yeah. Yeah. Drink, drink Rainian. <laughs> yeah. So, I think it's yeah. just, it's important to have that foundation there. And so I think meditation is important. Um, I think that like everyone should be doing it. I think even just on a mental health level, it's like good. Like there's even been like, I know psychologists and like therapists have been integrating like mindfulness meditation stuff into their work, which I'm not a psychologist or like a doctor or anything, but I think that's very cool in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's also the level of, I mean, just that point alone that you're making, everyone needs to hear, which is just that, you know, if you're looking for life to be a certain way, it does not come from you trying to grab something in the external world. It comes from you. It comes internally, you know, it comes from the internal work that you do to align with what you really want in life and, you know, your mindset and, and everything. It comes from within whatever it is that you want it's it's an internal journey and that the the, the ex or rather to put it even more simply the external manifests from the internal to oh, some to some extent agree. to some extent right you know in in tandem with every, with everyone else in the world doing the same thing so so yeah i don't think that and and in terms of like therapy adopting things like mindfulness it's like it's kind of like what we i think it's kind of like what we're what we were saying earlier about you know, what else do you got? It's like, this, this stuff just works better. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, then what? Like talk therapy for 30 years? This is, it, this, this stuff actually works better, so. Yeah, I think it's really important. Cause like, if, if I, I think we've all met those people in life who like have everything made on paper, but are just completely miserable people. And I think that is proof that like what's going on internally really matters because you can have things in your life that work, but you can still hate everything. And I think like knowing that and recognizing that is really important to realize that you do need to do internal work and you do need to think about this stuff. Even if you're not going to like be doing, I don't know, Solomonic magic or something, right? I think just even having something can really help you avoid that trap because I've seen people who have had like objectively worse lives than some other people who are happier, you know? And I think it's important to learn that and recognize that as a phenomenon yeah that's a thousand percent true that re- that's it and that's true across cultures too like i remember when i was traveling and just out of college i was traveling in india and Kathmandu or nepal and Kathmandu in nepal and just meeting you know some of the happiest people who had like literally didn't have you know a, a plate or a fork to their name 
and then but yet they're immersed in ritual and magic and connection with god all day long and that's a little bit over romanticizing it because like poverty really sucks and yeah we, we need to help you know like I, I think that the world has made great strides in overcoming it to some extent but those could be those unfortunately could go backwards really fast because of the fallout of covid the fallout of the sanctions of russia i mean things could get real nightmarish on earth very fast particularly for the developing world so we need to pay attention to that but but so i don't want to like oversimplify it but i just remember coming back to america after traveling over there and it's just like everyone is so rich here even the poorest person seems like a king compared to people there and yet everyone's miserable they're like living in their perfect air-conditioned houses and just they're full of misery and and they have all these things to entertain them and serve them and they're just unhappy and so it's just so, it's, it's one of life's you know bitter ironies because it's so it's so gross in a way but it's also people don't have a context maybe people look at they for comparison they look at the people right next to each other rather than the grand scheme of things maybe that's part of it but it's so true. I mean, you can live in, you can live in hell, but in your mind, you're in heaven. And conversely, you can live in heaven, but in your mind, you're in hell because of your own thoughts and your own torment of yourself. And Absolutely. the way out of that is, I think, you know, certainly meditation practice helps a lot, a lot. Yeah. I think people just need something more in life, right? I think that can be a lot of things, but I think people fundamentally need something more, something higher, something beyond the material just in some way because I think otherwise it can just feel very life can feel very soulless and I don't think anyone wants that yeah 100 percent. and I think that's been proven true by history many times whether it was you just can't cut that off from people whether it's people living totally materialist lives in in capitalist societies or when people were totally shut off from religion in communist bloc countries like Russia and China yeah. and it's like that just does not work you know, people are not meant to be totally severed from the spiritual dimension. No, not at all. And you see so much like people just fall apart whenever it happens on either way. So, so what's, what's next for you? Do you have kind of plans for, for where you're going to take things in the future? Yeah. So, um, my sort of next steps, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, continue, posting and all that i'm i'm working on a book that's like the big next thing that's a big exciting thing i had right. um so that should that's coming out in the fall so that's my can, you, can you say anything about it yet or is it still under wraps yeah so it went up for pre-orders like this week oh, um nice. yeah it's good called timing begin for this with... episode then so people can find yeah. it on amazon yeah it's on amazon it's begin with true will by georgina rose uh it's a beginner philema book for for people of sort of the new people coming in who want sort of a modern approach to it. And it's pretty solitary oriented. So anyone can pick it up. Um, it's just supposed to be like Philema for the modern day, basically. That's awesome. And where can people find out more about you? Like on Instagram and TikTok? And do you have a central website or anything like that? I don't have a website. Um, I have like a link tree that has them all in one sort of tier like list, but I just go by dot darling D A T like the Sephora darling on instagram twitter tiktok youtube twitch instagram i'm like on every platform on patreon i'm i'm all the places i don't think there's really any social media place that i'm not on but yeah just look that up or georgina rose i tend to pop up if you just type that in as well 
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on. We hope to hear lots more from you in the future. And that was an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was a great chat. Absolutely. Great to meet you again. Great to meet you. Uh, okay. Have a lovely afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye.